Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Caring Support Podcast. I'm Kaylee, and I am here today with healthcare leader, change management, and efficiency expert, Suzanne Kish. Thank you so much for coming in today. I'm so happy we've finally been able to connect and get you on here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, Callie, I'd be pleased to. Um, I'm someone that, you know, has a passion for what I do uh, and healthcare is it, you know, um, and I enjoy teaching and looking at efficiencies and improvements. So if there's a way to make an improvement, let's do it, you know, and looking at root causes. And I'm going to say I was fortunate to be a part of the COVID pandemic. Um, and that was history in the making. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's changed a lot for us in healthcare in the province and for people in general. Yes, it's definitely changed things across the board for everybody. And it's crazy seeing some of those changes now being called on even more. So during the pandemic, was there someone or a phrase or anything that kept your spirits up? Someone who might have been inspiring to you or maybe a quote that just really resonates with you, something that kept you going? Uh, you know, there's two things that come to mind when I think about it is that we're answering the call. So the team that I worked with, we really were answering a call for the community, for a hospital, for the province. And I, that was the one thing I thought of. And to be honest, I kind of thought, I think I'm meant to be here in this role to help, you know, and support people and, um, you know, the whole response to the COVID pandemic. What was it like being a COVID testing leader during the pandemic? Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I finished a mat leave uh, at one of the hospitals and I was asked to come in and, you know, kind of take over operations of the COVID clinic in Waterloo and happy to do so. And then after I thought, what am I getting myself into? You know, <laughs> thinking <laughs> this challenge, I'm excited because I love challenges and mental stimulation and problem solving. Uh, so I said yes, and then I came home and shared this, and and they're like, what? And uh, so that was kind of funny. But once I got in there and, and learned about the teams and made the correct fixes in there, um, just because the, the, the all of COVID, everything, the clinics, the testing, it all happened so fast in supplies. So, you know, someone was doing that work where, they had other work to do in managing, so then I fit in, and I was there for I think just over two years or so. So it was it was a great team of people. Um, we built a wonderful team. Everything from housekeeping, security, nursing, working with the physicians from ED. Um, it was amazing, and we did a lot of work with external stakeholders, like our provincial, regional uh, teams from Ontario Health. Uh, the COVID team of the region that we were in and uh, worked with my director. And uh, yeah, it was it was very interesting, challenging. Uh, it was a smooth flow in no time and we got lots of compliments. Uh, one of our patients actually made us a beautiful wooden bowl because remember, we saw a lot of return customers, I would say. We had uh, the long-term care people coming in, pediatrics, children with their stuffies, you know, because the COVID test had, um, you know, a bit of a reputation with it that it wasn't the easiest thing to do. 
so yeah, I, I enjoyed it very much actually. Yeah, COVID tests were something that definitely weren't fun. Uh, I have I have two little kids. They at the time of the pandemic they were under the age of four, and I remember having to take my son in to have a COVID test done. He had to actually go three times. And every time we went in, we were at Norfolk General in Simcoe. And every time we went in, the nurses were absolutely amazing with him. I mean, it would have been so easy for them to be, like, anxious or even even short, you know, just because, like, they're trying to get so many people through. But they did so well. Like, they had, like, happy scrubs on. And they talked to David about, you know, what was going to happen. And then at the end of it, uh, he would get this little knitted finger puppet, which was super cute. So I don't know exactly who it was that was making those, but I guess the hospital had a whole bunch of them. And every time a kid went in, they got to go home with this little finger puppet. So, I mean, on one hand, it was kind of cute so I had these kids running around with these little finger puppets on and then on the other hand you're like and that's how many times we've had to have COVID tests yes. so <laughs> yeah we did something very similar with uh, a donation of toys that we would give to a child in a uh, their own little glad bag kind of thing and um as a takeaway but uh it was funny some kids they knew when they're at the edge of the building what was happening they want to get in the door so you know every child's different and you know of course the nurses did a great job uh being on their game and getting the test done as best as possible can you shed light on the cause or causes of why healthcare workers experience burnout so intense during the pandemic that it actually caused them to quit or change careers yeah i mean i will really only answer for where i was um but you know, I want you to think about it, Callie, like here we are, we're in spring, we're wearing just like a sweater and a top, but they were wearing scrubs. And then they had the isolation, uh, you know, the isolation gowns, they had a shield, they had possibly two masks, some of them were two masks, uh, and gloves covering your isolation gown. So you were totally covered for maybe three and a half or, you know, trying to get your exams done, uh, your tests done before lunch. So that was a lot, you know. And then on top of it, you know, I think there was a lot of parts of what when is this going to end? What what's the next step? Because one of the things we we had in the COVID clinic and you know from our regional partners was a lot of changes and guidelines and we provided those guidelines um for for our covid uh people that came in for testing so making sure that we we're right on top of that um it, it was a constant change in there which was again you know great to keep us on our game um and you know you hear about people passing away right and the long-term care home people that we would see uh, coming to visit their loved ones and staffers that were sick. And remember also learning uh, through the pandemic, Callie, a lot of it was all brand new in the sense of, you know, if you're sick, Callie, you're staying home and you're going to keep these people with you at home, right? And and then things started to loosen. But all of that was so concerning and supplies as well. Uh, so the whole world was in a you know, an upheaval, really. And we were going to work, but other people were staying home. 
right? And either doing it remote or maybe not even working, right? So all of that plays, you know, on you. And then I, you've got your home part, right? You know, so that, you know, stressors of, you know, do you have a, a family member in long-term care? You know, are you, is someone able to stay home and not get pay if they have to stay with their child? Can they travel to see a parent like that type of thing? So there was a lot of uh, stress. And I think as a healthcare professional, whether it's a nurse or a tech or physician and so on, that you're there to serve, right? You are there to help. And many times, even before COVID, as a healthcare professional, you want to keep working and do your, your position. So if someone's sick, you might pick up an extra shift or something. So the work was ongoing because you had those uh, sick staff members that you might have to cover. Uh, so then you're working extra on top of everything, you know. So then you have those extra hours. And I think that in general is what led to the burnout, the, oh, I can't make it in another day, you know, months after the pandemic started. Um, and it got into your mind. And and I think that's part of the cause, in my opinion, from what I've read uh, and heard and um, have seen a little bit in other friends and colleagues at other locations. I think a lot of us went into that first lockdown believing that it would be the only one. You know, it's going to be over right after this. We're going to lock down. Everything's going to be perfectly fine afterwards. So, you know, you you kind of go in with that mentality of like, just push through, just push through. And then all of a sudden you've been pushing for months and then we're pushing for a whole year. Right. And then, yeah, you start seeing people that are like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm sure you were hearing of people talk about this long before it really started coming out, I guess, when we would be hearing it in the news, right, of the the mass exit from healthcare. So when you started hearing other people talking about burnout at work, how did you respond to that? What did you do? I I really remember one incident, and um, uh, my office was close to the testing area where they would process samples and paperwork, and I heard one nurse say i i feel like i'm getting burned out so i was you know that was my job is to support these people uh as part of my job and so what i did when i heard that later that on that day i brought that individual in and i said so how are you feeling and we talked about it a little bit you know because if we as a manager for supporting our teams and staff and we hear something like this you know, it shows that we care, of course, and we all should care about our staff, right? And if they're sick and going to have time off, it's better we, we look at it when we first hear about it or we hear a request or something than letting it go and having them continue to work because they have to come in, right? So we ended up, I ended up speaking with the individual and they ended up getting a day off or two. And then it kind of recharged them, you know, and the one thing that was great as a nurse in in the clinic with short appointment times is you can easily turn it off, I hope, at night, right? Because if you're like, say, in an ICU or a critical care unit, you might be thinking about that one patient, how you left them. Are they OK? Right. But this was kind of like we can turn it off and and uh, and really enjoy family or whatever it is 
at the time that that person was going to do. Um, but that's what I did because you know what, if we support our teams, our staff, and ultimately make a great environment for people to work in, they're going to want to do great. And, and this was a, for me, a support piece that um, I needed to do, of course. Burnout and self-care obviously go really hand in hand. And we see that more now because burnout is becoming something that is in the language of, of everybody now, and it's becoming more recognized. So how did the pandemic lead to an increased need for self-care? And can you give us maybe some examples of what you did when you started feeling burnout on the job? Um, yes. So the self-care piece um, with the the clinic that I worked in, there was a lot of contract work, people coming and going uh, because they want permanency. We had a lot of junior nurses, I will say, in the clinic, um, which are fantastic because they've got passion and drive and motivation, but they also want permanency too. Uh, it's just the way it was set up. So um, sometimes our circuits can be short right if we didn't get a full lunch or i wanted to go out for lunch to get this and i didn't and so one of the things i did when i i, I felt like the mood was changing in the clinic was uh most places now have wellness specialists or wellness coordinators and they really do serve a purpose in supporting staff so i did actually create one afternoon lunch and learn uh, maybe a few others, but one in particular that was able to have people think about things differently. You know, it's 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 good to hear other people talking about a situation because it makes you think about it differently if you if you haven't already. Um, so this is good, and it's also good uh, with every resource that we had that it's not always me talking too, right? So that was a good thing at huddles that you know. It's me talking or another individual, but this was like a lunch and learn, fantastic with a wellness expert. And it allowed for discussion and opening because the team was fantastic. You know, they they were able to open and uh, we smooth things. And yeah, so that was challenging. Um, but the wellness coordinator, the wellness specialist is here to stay, I think. Because the whole point with self-care is if you're feeling good inside, like, you know, everyone has daily stressors and stress is also a good thing too, but we want to be able to keep things in check. And there is uh, no stigma now as it was like years ago, I mean, over 10 years ago to say, I, I need to really get some help. I'm not, you know, thinking, well, I've got so much on my plate. You know, people would view that as a weakness and it's it's not a weakness. It's actually brave to come forward and say, I think I need to talk to somebody. And most big companies and institutions have EAP or employee assistant programs and they offer, you know, confidential support with uh, someone that can speak to you, which is really great because the inside piece of us was you know, we never learned about it in school per se, uh, you know, but now it's a big piece because if you're feeling well inside, you're going to do your job. You're going to be the person you are at home. The partner that you need uh, will love you more and, and all this type of thing. So even in schools, now you have children, you said, Callie, right? So I, how old are they? Four? 
Yeah. So while my daughter is, she's six, my son is four. So yeah, grade one in junior kindergarten. Yeah. Do they have, um, this just blew me away in a good way. They have a calming station at my son's school. Yes, and- they do. My daughter was actually telling me about hers the other day. And I was like, where can I put one in? Like, I need one of those. Yeah, my th- my son uh, and JK had like, this was before COVID, I think, just, or around the time of it starting. But they had a station for twinkly lights, pillows, blankets, little stuffy. And if you weren't having a good day as a little one, you could go there. And, you know, the teacher would check on you, of course. But uh, it's amazing that, you know, that exists. It never did for me, of course. But uh, and it's still there in my son's grade two class, you know. And I think it's okay. They also do meditation. So we're starting we're starting to know our bodies, know our thoughts much earlier uh, now. And I think that's really only going to make a better individual fully rounded. I completely agree. I mean, I didn't have anything like that when I was in elementary school or really even in high school. Even then, it was still kind of like, you know, someone got called to the office to go see a therapist. It was like a huge thing, right? Yeah. Um, but now I'm like, I'm proud to admit the fact that I've used my the EAP program a few times. And that's just, that's because you just have to. Sometimes you just need someone to talk to. You need that extra support. And I think what is also important, maybe specifically for healthcare workers, but really for a lot of people that, you know, take care of other people, so caregivers and, and PSWs, all every healthcare worker, is that there is a difference between self-care and then basic human needs. So, you know, your your burnout will be you know, largely triggered by your lack of self-care, but it will also be even more emphasized if your basic human needs are not being met. So if you're not able to go to the bathroom, if you're not getting to drink water, have lunch, you know, take a second if you've had like a difficult case and, you know, just process that, right? Instead of having to just jump from one to the next to the next to the next, right? Um, Being able to process your emotions and your feelings around those things. I think all of that is, it's all a component to that self-care but it is very important to make sure that your basic needs are being met too because without that like um there isn't any amount of self-care that you can do that's going to override your need for those the basic needs to be met as well right and and kelly you did ask me about my own burnout situation um in december of 2022 uh i I, I was someone that gave, that gives that gives more to the system. You know, I wanna I wanna get it done. I wanna you know do the best I can and so on. But um, we had a lot of sick individuals with COVID, right? So of course they're not working at the clinic, right? Uh, so with that, we're short staffed. We can't bring as many individuals in, and it's a lot of pressure on the group that is actually working. And um, So that in itself is a pressure day. And I remember having a huge line outside, huge. And uh, and that's kind of when I was feeling overwhelmed because believe it or not, it was hard for me to take a vacation day and to get relief then like really vacation, you know, not that I would be going anywhere, but just even at home kind of thing. And um, it was hard for the team as well because they knew what that I knew what they're talking about, you know. So unless it was a, a broad um, management type issue that could be resolved, but 
otherwise it was it was difficult you know and we had lead uh charge nurses there uh as well but it was a feeling feeling i had of overwhelm because it's like i've worked so much and now all of this is happening and uh we i ended up getting some help from oh to help with staffing um and you know it didn't help on that day but i think there was a big need for the public to get tested in december and we knew that testing was going to basically come to an end uh in a way it feels like it was so long ago callie honestly uh but in in essence it wasn't you know really um and it's still carrying on in long-term health care uh long-term homes and in the hospitals of course and i hear of friends and their parents or they're getting COVID, right so it's still happening right and one of the things that I think people probably in my age group want to do is protect their parents who might be immunocompromised. And that's always in my head. And we had all the masking guidelines changed now. So, you know, there it's just changed so dramatically, you know. But the burnout for me, I think, was real. It wasn't long lasting because what I did do, and that was maybe easier in my position, was to take some time, right? um to 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 step back a little bit and just breathe because when you've got almost 150 people outside short staff of nurses saying they want to walk out like on this one day it was wild uh that's a lot of pressure on one individual right so uh and but we made it through the team of course did the best that they can because that is what a healthcare worker does they no matter who it is they are going to go that extra mile for patients and provide service uh, and that's what healthcare is about what is the importance now that we're coming we're starting to come out of the pandemic what would be the importance of healthcare workers continuing to emphasize their own self-care needs, as well as what could some employers possibly do within their organizations to maybe entice some of the people that did leave to come back? Uh, let's let's do the the first part of that question first. So you want me to tell you about what employees can do. Yeah, I think the biggest thing they can do is really recognize inside themselves what is happening. Am I am I being the team player I should? Am I doing my whatever procedure as as you know well as it should be done? Am I lagging? You know, uh, and these are things that what I what I hope to see uh, and I have seen and and is that with the pandemic and everything that people have gone through from you know yes healthcare workers especially but other workers as well uh is that nothing can stay the same so what i hope in management is that they really are paying attention to their teams that's what i would hope and directors uh checking in with the manager and and making yourself present and doing a check-in whether it's at a huddle which is where a team gets together and discusses events of the day or you know having open conversations with staff and that means there has to be a level of trust right so you need to make sure that you have trust built within your team and 
and mention that you are open to hear if you have problems uh, that you want to discuss or if you're thinking well something's off and you're not sure where to go that's where that manager will come in and say well i have this wellness specialist here because they we can count on our own uh, employees as the wellness specialist or coordinator and we also have the outside external EAP or employee assistance program with many opportunities there to help and even GPs. I know that my GP's office, which is quite large in KW, um, they have so many areas for education, uh, if you want to stop smoking uh, and therapy as well. So there's three options right there with me not even looking beyond, right? Um, and I know there is a 1-800 number, I think, at the um, provincial level that people can call and speak with someone immediately uh, if they have any issues, because uh, the issues can be like panic attack, I can't breathe, which I experienced several times in the COVID clinic, to um, you know, I'm really not thinking right and I, I'm not sure what's going on and I'm concerned and, you know, all these types of things, Callie. So we have so many more resources to help us and we just need to say, I need help. That's all you need to say and reach out. And people are so willing to help. And that's the amazing thing now. So I think I've answered that first question about what employers can do. Uh, and the second question, Callie, was just if you had any advice or um, opinions on maybe what healthcare organizations could do to maybe bring some people back to help yes. people feel comfortable knowing that they you know maybe they can go back into the careers that that used to be so fulfilling for them. Mm -hmm. Now, that one is challenging because sometimes if I'm going to say the nurse, right, because the nursing is what we we need still probably. Right. So I would say, you know, if there is a nurse and the manager has a good relationship with them or someone within the institution, you know, they can call them possibly and say, what are you willing to give us? You know, so maybe it's something casual. Maybe they only want two days a week after, you know, retraining and being familiar. Um, the other thing that they could do is if it's a 12 hour shift, maybe they can cut it to eight. And eight hours of someone extra on the floor is better than running a whole shift short. You know, so looking at those really high times when you're giving out meds or blood works needed and, you know, you've got someone with four patients instead of you know the one nurse you can have a bit of an extra right to help with breaks and so on because again those breaks are so important and that's work you know that's a lot of people work and and discussion um that's one of the things i would do um i believe some of the colleges were were uh we reached out to colleges i know for mrt which is my original um field um, but really, other than that, I know I don't want to get too political, but I know we're talking about international nurses and physicians and so on. And I think that's kind of beyond what I can really comment on. But, you know, that's an option, right? It's something to think about, but we have to be careful with our practice standards, you know, so I don't want to get too political here. But that's one of the things that, you know, I did work in professional practice and, that makes our healthcare people 
of Ontario who they are. You know, we're not going to use a substandard anything to do something on a patient. We want the one supply we need or uh, if I don't know how to use this, I'm not going to try it the first time on a patient, that type of thing. I need the knowledge, skills, and judgment before I use something. So these are things that when I worked at the college for MRTs, something that, you know, was really um, ingrained in us and is a part of practice and with the teaching that I love to do too, this is something that, you know, we do with our students as well. Well, thank you very much, Suzanne, for being here today. I have had a great conversation with you, and I'm sure our listeners are going to absolutely soak in this episode. Um, before we say goodbye, though, is there anything else that you want to share with us today? You know, I hope um, that from the pandemic that somehow, some way, maybe somebody has recorded what has happened. I know I've submitted some pictures uh, to the institution I worked at, and I do hope that we have learned from this. And not just word of mouth, but we need to know what we need to watch out for, because there probably will be another pandemic, whether it's 10 years or so on, um, or nine years, and we need to learn from what we gained from the pandemic. And the mental health that we talked about, very important. And I think that will continue. Schools are starting this, uh, which is fantastic to make a, a well-rounded individual. Um, I know what I hear about the four-day workday, maybe something like that will come into play. Uh, because people now want to spend time more with their loved ones. And that was another reason for people leaving our, um, the nursing and other healthcare professionals. Um, so I do hope that um, we allow our bodies to recharge in the workday or the work week. Um, like I know there's also some European cities that actually allow um, people to go and have so many days at like a retreat spa you know is this going to come our way you know that's an interesting piece as well to have that real downtime um so i just hope the learning has come from the pandemic and when the next thing comes we pull out what we know or the people we know and say what are we going to do and we have some idea we have knowledge on our next steps you know, and come really well, uh, I'll say armed with information, <laughs> skill set, and, you know, all of that. Well, thank you again, Suzanne, for being here. We really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on our podcast. And we hope that you had just as much fun as we did. I and did. I did. Yeah, I good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. And we will hopefully look forward to working with you again in the future. Thank you so much, Callie. Have a great day. You too.